I want to talk today about this amazing reality that we live in. Like, we get a prophetic word. In 1992, Kim Clement prophesied this property. This property didn't exist. We had a lot of problems that happened between 1992 and 2000 when the property not only did exist, but actually we purchased it fulfilling the word. And the, but then there were lots of problems after that, like just keeping it. My prayer was, God, help us not to be the Beverly Hillbillies and have the whole place run down and be a shame, you know? <laughs> so the, uh, and by his grace, he didn't. Isn't that wonderful? He's so good. That's all I can say. The, uh, but there, there is this thing that happens in our lives. Like when, when we meet Jesus, it's like new life happens. And we believe it all. Don't, I mean, you believe it all. We have no clue how we fit into it, but we believe it all. And it's just like everything's possible. And then life happens. So, you know, it's like, and this is a pattern because there's this reality that in the moment of revelation, you're, you're like in eternity and infinity and all things are possible. And the, the future seems like it's already happened. And, you know, and this, you're not alone in this. Moses, who spent 40 years being discouraged on the backside of the desert, was called by God to be the deliverer of a nation of people, his relatives, but a nation of people from the strongest power on earth. And so a lot of stuff happens, and God is at war with darkness. He really is. He's at war with the powers of darkness, and he wins, which is discouraging for them. But they're putting up a good fight. So at, after 10 plagues and de total decimation of the infrastructure and economy, and, and at that point, military power of Pharaoh in Genesis 16, he st starts singing. And it's called the Song of Moses. And he said, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider thrown into the sea. The Lord my God is my strength and my song and has now become my salvation. My, he's my father's God and I will praise him. And he's singing this and Miriam and the women are have their tambourines and they're dancing around and they're answering back and this is all so awesome. And, and by verse 18, he talks about what has happened to Egypt, what's going to happen to all the people in Canaan and he declares, Exodus 15, 18, the Lord reigns forever and ever. And it's like in that moment, he was there. Okay, fast forward about a year. They've spent quite a while at Sinai. He's actually spent 80 days in the presence of God. He's set, the, the sanctuary is set up, the, the tabernacle, all its furnishings are made. It's quite glorious. The arrangement of the troops, you know, of the, the people of Israel as they process through the wilderness is established. And the 
the two silver trumpets are hammered out and they blow and they head off on this march. And after a few days, people start complaining about the menu and missing the free fish, which meant they were all on food stamps and the garlic and the onions and the cucumber and the melons in Egypt. They said, we hate this manna. So God sent quail that were either dead quail stacked three feet deep or, or disoriented quail that were flying three feet above the ground. And it was for a day's journey in every direction. Basically, 40 mile diameter, you know, 20 mile radius. All around them, they were covered with quail and the least, the most slack person gathered like 10, like about 500 gallon, you know, five, how could I put this? 10 50 gallon drums of quail. And they spread them out and they, they dried them and they ate them until it was coming out their nostrils. And some of them didn't do a good job of salting the quail and they got sick and died. You know, I mean, it was like horrible. So this, and then the next thing, and, and in the middle of this, when they're complaining about the menu, Moses goes to God and said, God, I did not conceive these people. I did not give them birth. Like, what is my crime? God, kill me now. So he went from the Lord reigns forever and ever to kill me now. And then shortly after that prayer, Miriam and his brother Aaron, Miriam, his older sister, and Aaron, his brother, start criticizing him, criticizing this marriage that he had, maybe Zipporah died, he married, I, we don't, I don't know, it leaves that out, but they were really down on Moses. And they said, well, who says God only talks to him? Well, God did, you know, so Miriam got <laughs> leprosy and then Moses prayed for her, but it was like, this is a lot of misery. Does that sound like anybody's life? Like, you know, you're like, yes, I, anything can happen. And then by Thursday, <laughs> at 4.30, you know, three contracts get canceled, interest rates go up, you hear bad news, your kids are not, you know, following Jesus, and you're like, God, I feel like I wish I could die, you know? So what is this thing? Here's, here's what it is. The kingdom of God, like when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, it's like it's already happened. In fact, when he was, when he arrived, the kingdom arrived. Nobody knew about it. Mary, Joseph, some shepherds, but they didn't all completely understand. It was beyond them what had happened. But God arrives so he could say the kingdom is already here, but obviously it's not yet fully here. Would you say? Because when it's fully here, he will arrive again and there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And you know, but in the meantime, all these glorious things are said about you, are said about the kingdom, are said about what's gonna happen on the earth prior to his return. And we live in this misery in between that the kingdom is here, but where is it in my life? My car has a flat tire. I don't have any money in my checkbook. Everybody's sick. Help us, Lord. 
So what is the answer? I mean, all of the, why? Now, and then Paul says, <laughs> you know, rejoice, in, therefore we rejoice in all our tribulations, knowing that we have peace with God and we have access. It's like, what is it? This is the life we live. So I want to propose today that the solution, and what, this is my introduction, how am I, okay, I'm using up too much time on my introduction. A common frailty of many preachers who aren't great preachers, okay, just okay preachers, but, the, uh, but he declares that he is the solution, and this is why I just believe hearts are turning to Jesus, and all across America, the misery level has really increased over the last few years. Like, absolute, like, you know, I don't know if anybody's happy right now in America in terms of the, outs, the, the realities, the policies, the, the economy, all, you know, the externalities of life stink in some ways compared to our expectation, although we're still like fat, comfortable, you know, don't know what we've got, you know, until it's gone kind of thing. But what is it about God that uses hardship to turn people toward him? Now, last week, uh, Matt Rudolph told me about this documentary movie called Sheep in the Midst of Wolves. It's a documentary on the fastest growing church in the world, which happens to be in Iran, where it's completely illegal, where nobody has a 501c3, there are no church buildings, there are no, like, it, and they know they can be, if they're caught evangelizing, that they will be beaten, if they're a woman, they'll be raped, they'll be imprisoned or killed. And this is the fastest growing church in the world. And they can't, and actually, they, they credit the Ayatollah and the last 30 or 40 years of, of totalitarian horror as the greatest evangelist there could be because they're all disillusioned with the true face of Islam. And they're turning to Jesus. And who's turning to Jesus? The drug addicts, the prostitutes, the gun runners, the terrorists, the, the former jihadists. They're, they're coming to Jesus as he reveals himself to them and they're becoming evangelists. And when they go out the door, they know they might not come back. And in discussing this, some of the the missional leaders that were meeting with them in Indonesia and other places, they say, well, look, you know, what's 50 years in prison compared to eternity with him? God, would you do it? Don't bring an Ayatollah, but would you, would you do this in our nation? Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal the reality of the gospel, the extravagance of your love, and the appropriate response to your extravagance in Jesus' name, amen. So I feel somewhat inadequate to, to do this because I feel like, do you ever, have any of you ever felt like you're getting converted again and again and again and again and we think we're good and we are at that moment and then we realize, oh, I'm just on a journey to become more like Jesus and that's, that's it. You know, that's that we would be conformed to the image of his son, Romans 8, 29. So let me read something to you. I want, want to get to um, John 15, but I want to start with John 1, 4. In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men, human beings. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So first statement, in him was life. Life is the light, is the light of humans. It's what sets us apart from animals. You know, and this term life is this word zoe. In, the, in Greek, there's zoe, which in the New Testament is consistently used as a God kind of life. It's like, you know, it, it's separated from mere biological life. There's two Greek words, bios or bios, where we get the word biology, and zoe, which is always used to speak of eternal, unlimited, extraordinary life, the life that's in God himself. Now, the words don't necessarily always have to mean that, but that's how it's used in the New Testament. And where, so out of zoe, we get the word zoology, you know, which is the study of animals, as opposed to bios, which is just biology, which is the study of anything living. But in him was zoe, and the zoe was the life of human beings that sets us apart from animals. It's the radiant energy. It's the, that, and the creativity and the reason and the ability to communicate by writing, by language, by signs, by symbols of human beings that no animal possesses. I, I know the whales have 50 songs, and I know Coco the orangutan had a few words, and some horses can be taught to add a couple numbers or at least make the right number of taps. But it's really, in human beings, it's just part of who we are. You were conceived that way. Thank you. And so, th this great radiant life is, is, it's something special. It's pure life, it's holy life. And uh, th there's, there's a, a term that they use in Costa Rica, pura vida, which became very popular and by the 70s, it's just how people say hello and, th and you're welcome and all these things in Costa Rica. Are there any ticos here? No? Nobody? No hay ticos en la costa. That's a kind of a joke only. <laughs> the, uh, so, but, the, but it's their way. And, and, they, and they claim they're one of the happiest countries on earth because this idea of pura vida, it, it's kind of like it... I've heard, I was watching a documentary on Costa Rica and they asked this, tra this tour guide, a woman, and she said, well, it's, it's really how we live. We receive love, we give love. I said, wow, maybe she's a Christian, you know, because this is, but not necessarily. I mean, some people get it. But Pura Vida, it, it, it's also described as don't worry, be thankful. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? receive love, give love, stop and smell the coffee beans. Like, just don't be so depressed about all the pressures that you can't enjoy life. Do you understand this is what Jesus said when he said, come to me, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so God, we just break off all the worries and cares, all the false ambitions that trap us and stop us from being fruitful because we were created to be fruitful and truly you do reign over heaven and earth, and disasters, disappointments, disillusionments, delays, discouragements, and distractions will not overcome that Zoe life that's in us. Amen. Amen. And so, the, how do we get free from all this junk? Only, I mean, it's 
basically by his peace. Fortunately, he's given us his peace. We don't always receive his peace. But he, I mean, John 14, 27, peace, I leave with you my peace. My, this is God, human. I'm giving you my shalom. I give to you not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Good advice, hard to live. Unless the Holy Spirit empowers us, reveals it to us, and converts our hearts. Because we get troubled by many things. Anyway, we're prone to it. So, and, it, and it's the tension we live in that, you know, a couple in John 16, he said, I've said these things to you, talking about everything you just talked about in this whole Last Supper discourse, that in me, that's the location, in me, you may have peace, shalom. So it's always in him. And so if I'm troubled, if I'm in conflict, if I'm irritated, if I'm jealous, if I'm threatened, and I lose my joy and I lose my peace, it's because I've lost being vitally in him. God help us. He is, you know, we make a cliche out of it, Jesus is the answer, but he is the answer. He's the location of life and peace. And it's a, it's a dynamic living relationship. Andy Bird was here a couple weeks ago and he talked about, he says, the word the Lord gave to me for Life Center is extravagance. You've been extravagant lovers, extravagant givers, extravagant senders, and, and, and God's going to pour out his extravagance on us. And this is, the, this is what it means to live in his peace. That we're, we may be going through a season of lack, but we're not defined by the lack. We may have no money, but God has an assignment and the money will arrive. You know, this is the story of Corey Tenboon, who went to the station and, and uh, went to the train station with no money and someone, as, as the train was, was, the doors were open, someone paid for her ticket that she didn't know. This is a story of missionary after missionary. This is a story of my friend, Lonnie Frisbee, and a friend that has been portrayed in the Jesus Revolution movie, which you should see. It's not about him, it's about the Jesus Revolution, and, and, but it's an awesome show. But Lonnie, at one point, he was, he, Lonnie had issues, you know, he was unstable, he was in and out of his ability to, to function, and he was, Working in 1979, he was, or 78, he came back to Papa Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and, and Chuck Smith gave him a job parking cars, you know, and, and so he's parking cars for all these people that he led to the Lord years ago in the midst of the Jesus movement, and, and God puts it in his heart to, that he's to go to the nation, so he lets, um, he lets Pastor Chuck Smith know and he's thinking, you know, that's nice. And, and he went to get his paycheck because he was gonna leave. And, and there was a note, there was nothing there. And he asked the girl, she said, oh, Pastor Chuck told us you're living by faith. And it's like, and I mean, you know, if you're on the receiving end of that, it doesn't feel good. But you know what happened? 
is out of the blue, a radio station called him and asked him, said, Lonnie, we hear, we hear you're back in town. We, would you come and do an interview with us? So perfect timing. He goes, does the interview, talks about his mission plans. Someone called the station got, and, and wrote him a $25,000 check, which covered his plane tickets. And, you know, and so Lonnie and um, his friend, I don't know if it was Peter Crawford or John Rutke, one, one of his it was Peter, went off for a year preaching the gospel all over Europe, South Africa. <laughs> you know, so, but isn't that good? Like God does that. We live, when we live in him, it's not how people treat us. It's our relationship with God, which doesn't that set us free from resentment and bitterness? And we can get polluted by that even though God is good to us. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> Just saying. Okay. The... Uh, so this brings us to, almost to a close, but not quite. Wait, which, okay, there was the time. There's two numbers and they're very similar, so I had to figure out which one was the time. Okay, I should know this, but I don't. Okay, if we go to John 15, Jesus makes this statement, I am the true vine, the genuine vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And then he goes on to talk about the branches. We're the branches, but this is his final I am statement. And he was really making a double identity. I am. Every time he says I am, it's like Yahweh. You know, it's this, this cloaked disclosure of his identity. But he's, he's actually, he's revealing his identity as divinity. I am the source. You know, in him was life and the life was light of men. By him all things were created and nothing was, that was created that was not created by him. This is, he's saying, I am the true vine. I'm the source of everything. But he's also giving his human identity that as a human, he has been the perfect Jew. Because all through the Old Testament, God calls Israel, his covenant people, his vineyard, vine. You know, it's used many times by the prophets. And Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Like I have fulfilled and walked perfectly in covenant with Yahweh. And it's like, it's a stunning statement that... It's like so many things he says, it has multiple dimensions. So, um, but, and the amazing thing about this statement, it's not, it's not just to those disciples, but it applies to every one of us here in this room today and through all the centuries. And, it, and what it's basically saying is, there's no fruit that's better than the vine that it grows on. So if you were starting a vineyard, you would be very concerned about the, the vines that you would plant, the stock at the, that all the, 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 the grapes would grow from because the, vi, the wine will never be better than the vine. And so he says, I'm the real deal. And, uh, and then he says, the father is involved in this. We, sometimes we get this idea that the father is remote and removed, but actually he's very involved. He's called the farmer, the vine dresser, the husbandman in King James. And he tends waters and cultivates each of our lives for maximum yield. Come on. Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this, he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So we're a work in progress until that day. Philippians 2.13, it is God, even though we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, it's God that's at work 
who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Why do you want to do things for God? Because God's at work in you <laughs> so that you'll want to work for him. You know, it's just for his pleasure, for what pleases him. So then he goes on and he, and he t tells us about ourselves. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. So there's two kinds of branches here. One has no fruit and one has fruit. And so the one that has no fruit gets cut off and taken away from the vine because if you leave, if you're tending a fruit tree or you're tending a berry bush or you're tending a grapevine or you're tending, you know, any plant that is fruit bearing, which tomatoes are fruit, did you know that? <laughs> yeah. So it, the branches that just grow and grow and grow and don't have fruit are parasitic on the life of the fruit bearing purpose of that organism. So by pruning it, you get more fruit better fruit, bigger fruit, more appropriate fruit, tastier fruit. And so in a, in, we could say that the ones taken away are dead wood. They're not really dead, but they're parasitic. They're worse than dead. They're wor you know, because of the, the, they stop everything else. I want to say something that the persecution going on in America has, has emptied out a lot of nominal believers. COVID did that, you know, like the you know, the church is shut down, and they say, well, that's the end of the church. You know, they're never coming back. Well, a lot of people that weren't very, uh, very, you know, didn't have a living relationship with God, that for them, that was somewhat true. But, there are, but the number of radical, fully, extravagantly given believers in America is skyrocketing. It's skyrocketing. It's skyrocketing. And it's like, God, thank you. And so in, in a way, it was a, a kind of a, a clearing out of that which, and we're not saying they're bad people or anything. It's just like, because we can only love him because he first loved us. And so if you're not in a place where you're having an encounter with the reality of who he is and, it, and the transformation that takes place when you're born again and you can see the kingdom of God, when you're born again, you can enter the kingdom of God, then it's like, what good is that? You're just an extra nice person. And Jesus does more than make us nice. He makes us fruitful. And some of them are total characters. Like, I mean, you know, the, the amazing thing in, in Iran is all these people, these prostitutes, drug runners, drug addicts, jihadists are now the leaders in this, this church that doesn't have buildings. They're leading because they're making disciples. And their disciples are making disciples and because fire is contagious. God set us on holy fire. Come on, let your, the, eye, the, the love that burns in your eyes, let it fill us and burn in our eyes. This, this word that burns in your heart, let it burn in our hearts. Let our words be full of the life of God and let our hands carry your touch so that when we lay hands on someone, it's as if you laid your hand on them. When we walk, when he walks into the room, we were singing it, everything changes. How about when we walk into the room, 
it changes. Maybe not everything in the universe, but, but things change, the atmosphere change, all of that. So he prunes us, but he does it for a purpose. It's not, he's not mean to us at all. He, 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 it's so that we can bring more fruit. The Father prunes us so that we'll bring more fruit. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here. It's sleep deprivation. <laughs> Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He trims us clean and that it may bear more fruit. That's always the motivation, that the fruit is more and it's more appropriate. Like, like you're going to, you may feel like, God, you've cut me back. Well, what's coming is you're gonna have more fruit and it's gonna be better fruit. <laughs> that, that word more has both connotations of quantity and quality. And then he says, already you're clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And he's using this term logos, which means everything he said. So it's like when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm listening to my Bible, there are things that speak to me that are addressing Things in my life that I wouldn't notice that he notices and the Holy Spirit shines a spotlight. And the, the result is I repent, I turn, I, and I'm transformed. Jesus said to Peter, after you're converted, strengthen your brethren. He had walked with him for over three years. And he says, Peter, after you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And so that occurred after he went out and wept bitterly and on the day of Pentecost, when he stood up. Could it be that we think we're completely converted, which, I, you know, I'm not questioning your ultimate salvation, and if you died, would you go to heaven? Although that's a very good thing that you question and are confident on, but I'm questioning, are we really representing him in the world, or are we just nice people who go to church, get offended by evil, but aren't, Where's the fruit that's bringing the alternative? The fruit that's good for eternal life. And God, fill us, burn in us. So this is, I think I'm gonna wrap up earlier. So what, what, how do we do this? This is the good news. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be brilliant, although he'll make you smart and brilliant. It helps if you're childlike, we come to it in verse four. Here's, here's the program. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he, it is he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here, this word abide, I kind of like it because it's a special word, but it is a religious word. Have you had anybody ask you when you're filling out a form, please write down the place of where you abide. Abide comes from the word abode. You know, so they don't say, what is the address of your abode? It's just not, it's not modern English. So you could translate this remain, which, which many translations remain in my love, some, some places live, live in my love, and, but I like this idea of reside. Reside in my love, and let my re love reside in you. What's my address? His love. What's his address for his love? It's in me, it's in you. 
It's in, it's in our homes, it's at our table, it's in our car when we're driving. Oh, holy Jesus. The, you know, I mean, like God, do it, do it, do it. Come and abide in us. And then it's, and, and if he does this, we'll have much fruit. And then it goes on and it, it gets better. You know, it, the, as a, verse nine, as, as just as the Father loved me, I've loved you. When we, when we abide in him, his love abides in us. And this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So I think you should stand up because I'm getting less articulate by the minute. I'm not sure if it's the Holy Spirit or my fatigue, but I'll just, I'll go with the Holy Spirit. I, I'm just saying, God, how many want more? You want more. You want, like, you want an unbroken communion. When I abide in him and in his love and his love abides in me, just as the Father loved him, he loves us. Just as he loves us, he, a little later, he says, love one another. Then after that, he says, the world will hate you. Don't be surprised it hated me. I have chosen you. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I out of the world and I appointed you to bear fruit. Come on. God, would you come, Holy Spirit, would you come, would you release this awareness of the presence of your love, this infinite, uncreated, endless, extraordinary love, this Zoe life that is captured in your love. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The word life there is is where we get our word psyche, psychology, psyche. It's, it's we lay down the, our, our personality preferences, our temperament preferences. We lay it down for our friends. We say, God, I'm the worst. Do you know, I'm, I'll say this again. It's a great honor that God has used Anne and me here as like a, a source of what, what God's doing here, that's all. We, all we did was stay put. But the reality is I never wanted to be a pastor. Like I know some people, it's their lifetime desire. That's a very good desire. It just wasn't mine. I was a, I mean, we still are first generation believers. And although we've led our, our families to the Lord partially, not entirely, but it's like, like he takes the things that we might not choose. I would have chosen Andy Bird's life, you know, once I was saved. I would, I would have chosen working as a carpenter and going on mission trips. That would have been my choice, which maybe I would have become a businessman. I have no idea. But God had an assignment here, and he set me here. And I laid down my life for my friends. And you're my friends. John's my friend. Patty's my friend, Brian's my friend, Marcy's my friend, all of you are my friends. But it's, a, it's a continual laying down of my life. Every now and then I have a tearful session with God saying, when do I get to do it? You know, and I'm really happy to see we're sending so many. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
How many, you just want the fire of his love to penetrate your hearts and lives. I want you to, if that's you, just raise your hand. And I'm telling you, I want to tell you something. As he pours out his spirit on people all over the world, his sons and her daughters, the prodigals are coming home. The people that have been away from God are coming back. The children, the sons and daughters are coming back. The grandchildren are coming back. The, the spouses are coming back. The ex-spouses are coming back. The, the dishonest business partners that fell away are coming back. God is calling the prodigals home. They're getting really tired of the pain that they're in and their home is in the love of Jesus. What if you're equipped and anointed to carry that love of Jesus everywhere you go? So Holy Spirit, I ask you, fill us with the love that fills you. Let our eyes burn with love, like your eyes burn with love. When I'm, we're looking at someone we would normally be offended by or despise, that instead we see what you see. We see what you see in us, that we would see that in them. That your love would translate and repeat and amplify and multiply through each one of our lives. In Jesus' name. Let, could we just say this, and you can say it out loud or you can say it quietly. Lord Jesus, fill us with your love. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your love. Holy Spirit, come and pour the infinite love of God into our hearts again, day after day after day, until we reside in your love, until we're swimming in your love, until we can't get out of your love because it's a river too wide to cross. In Jesus' name. Now, I, I wanna commission you, your hands, are the hands of Jesus. So lift your hands. Holy Spirit, would you anoint our hands with the reality that we are the body of Christ? And would you release anointings and commissions on many here for when we pray, people sense your presence. There will be healings, there will be deliverances, but more than that, in every case, there will be an awareness for all who are hungry and all who are thirsty that our touch carries your presence. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God, we love you and praise you. Whew. So I, there's, there's a few things. If you're a prodigal, I want to call and just ask you to come, come forward to say, I'm here, I'm returning. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to eat the, the garbage anymore. I'm not going to, I'm going to, and there's deliverance. There's deliverance from addictions. There's deliverance from foolishness. And, and you feel regret because you've wasted time. But I'm telling you, there's no regret. He will recharge and refill and refuel, and he'll restore that commission, and you'll be better than you ever were. So I just said, if you're a, a prodigal, please come forward. If, you, if you're hungry for Jesus and you don't know him, please come forward. I'm just saying, he's here, he's here, he's here. And he's never left you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
And then I, I ask, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming. And then I, I just wanna say, if you say, God, I wanna be so full of your fire, the fire of your love, that when I walk into a room, the atmosphere changes. I want it, you can come forward too. Okay. We're doing, this is amazing. He's gonna answer it. Ask them if the ministry team would take care of this, this young man who came forward. And thank you. Rest of us. So as we, as we stand here, we have a few minutes and the babies still think it's 1136, so they're good. Let's just take a few moments and worship. Let's just worship. Sing, come and consume. So come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission, our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. So come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission, our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. So come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission, our hearts are yours. We want you. We want you. So come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission, our hearts are yours. We want you.
want to pray the Holy Spirit will grace you that the words you've been singing will be the reality that you will never stop despite circumstances despite setbacks delays distractions you'll keep coming back his love is your home your heart is his home he wants to live in a dynamic communion with you, sharing the same reality. There's a fancy philosophical term, perichoresis, and theologians use it to describe the dance of the Trinity. He has brought you in to the dance of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You have access to them all. They're all in you. You're in all of them. Holy Spirit is on your hands that when you pray, things happen. Don't be discouraged if you pray a prayer and it's not answered. It's like you don't know when the answer will come. I mean, do you realize you're an answer to some of Isaiah's prayers that he never saw, but he never stopped? God, thank you. Thank you, God, just thank you. And I just encourage you to pray and say, God, show me a disciple. And all the disciples don't have to be Christians. Just show me someone with an open heart that wants to learn and help me lead them to you and help change their life forever. Father, we just pray there would just be such a, a beauty and such a love that it would, it would occupy us, it would set us free from all our addictions to the approval and the ratings of men and women around us, that it would deliver us from the distractions of entertainment and the vanities that are so normalized in our culture, God, that we would live for you and that we would see eternal fruit for everything we do for the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. And it, if we're put in jail, what is that compared to eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So my, my commission is just go out and be Christians. <laughs> Little Christs, do your job. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. He's listening, he's looking to you. And may his peace be upon you through every wave. Amen. 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 God bless. Yay. <laughs>